grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. Yeah, welcome to Speaking Out America. JR, your host... Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, wherever you might be, probably uh, on your way to celebrating. And, you know, I realize that I don't really know much about St. Patrick. Isn't that funny? I probably learned about him, but I forgot about him. And I thought, you know, at least find out a little bit about this guy and why we celebrate him so much. St. Patrick was a 5th century Romano-British Christian missionary and bishop in Ireland, known as the Apostle of Ireland. He is the primary patron saint of Ireland, the other patron saints being the Bridget of Kildare and Columbia. And uh, the dates of Patrick's life cannot be fixed with certainty, but there is a general agreement that he was active as a missionary in Ireland during the 5th century. A recent biography on Patrick shows a late 4th century date for the saint, and it's not possible. See, here's the problem with this, and it's typical. Uh, because it's Wikipedia, and Wikipedia will, will whitewash anything. The fact is, is that St. Patrick was uh, a very a man dedicated to Christ. After he became a cleric, he returned to spread Christianity in northern and western Ireland, and later he served as a bishop, but little is known about where he worked. By the 7th century, he had already come to be revered as a patron saint in Ireland. Uh, his feast is observed on 17th of March, the supposed date of his death. It is celebrated in Ireland and among the Irish diaspora as a religious and cultural holiday. Uh, kind of whitewash it like, hey, he, you know, he was kind of an important guy, but he, you know, he, he was a Christian. So, you know, diaspora and all that. This really, I, I bet if I went in and I read something about Islam or Muhammad, it probably would be replete with all kinds of nice platitudes about how we change the Middle East for the better and how they are oppressed even till today. And that's the way it is because history is being rewritten. You know who Seymour Hirsch is? Seymour Hirsch is that great investigative reporter who actually won a prize, a Nobel Prize, for his uncovering of the My Lai Massacre during Vietnam, which was a staged event to get us... Uh, even more embroiled in what was going on in Southeast Asia. Uh, and Seymour Hirsch recently wrote a piece that was actually published by the New York Times. And it had to do with the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines. They're major pipelines that give Europe or did give Europe natural gas and, and other forms of energy that was coming from Russia. And those two pipelines were destroyed. And about a month ago, this Seymour Hirsch fellow went and published a very in-depth study of what happened. And his conclusion was that the pipelines were destroyed 
and it was all a part of a CIA intelligence operation in Norway. And then about two weeks ago, someone at the New York Times published an anonymous report saying it wasn't the CIA or or Biden. It was, in fact, pro-Ukrainian rebels, which has not been confirmed. And one of the things that Seymour Hersh talks about is the history of conspiracies. Yeah, yesterday evening, Seymour Hersh addressed the National Press Club in New York. The event was organized by the Committee for the Republic. As expected, much of what Mr. Hersh covered was related to his latest story about the Nord Stream 2 attack, including much minutia about the actual physical challenge in setting up the explosives at the pipeline. But then the author of this particular paper, Ark Rayner, goes on to say, to think that we know, and this is the lesson of this, this story, uh, because history is replete. You know, they say history is written by those who are the victors. So we always get their version of what happened based on their own built-in biases. And this is sort of what the 1619 Project is all about, is looking back through American history, uh, through the lens of being an, a descendant of a slave, and then assuming that everything is tied to that that thing of, of slavery. And that's why this woman is able to push the 1619 Project into the educational curricula, because it's another way of looking at history. Unfortunately, it's not accurate history. It's it's uh, subjective history, as opposed to objective history that everybody kind of like objective science as opposed to subjective science or what they called consensus science. Anyway, so this uh, article, it reads, to think that we know history based on settled science or in Hirsch's words, 5% of what we need to know is to settle for oversimplified, cartoonish, one damn thing after another, very low resolution versions of history. He says, worse, such versions probably deprive us of understanding precisely those elements that are the most relevant to attainment in accurate understanding of events. And this happened also with hands, hands up, don't shoot. That was thrown in as an after story, and that's, that's the thing that gave it life. You know, you had people walking around, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, because one bystander thought that they saw or heard uh, Michael Brown in Ferguson with his hands up. And that wasn't the case at all. He was actually going after the cop in the back of the car. It's the same with George Floyd. George For Floyd is portrayed as a victim. They've already rewritten the story on what happened. Well, the fact of the matter is the man was high as a kite and he had a track record of being a, a very violent criminal, all of which has been whitewashed. If you were to go to the Wikipedia page, I can almost guarantee you, you would learn nothing about his history with the law, about his history of using a gun up against a pregnant woman's belly while three of his associates robbed her home just outside of Houston, how he served five years in a federal prison for it, and then went to Minneapolis after that and started passing bad checks while he's supporting his drug habit. And yet he is seen by most African-American today as Gandhi. And that just shows you the extreme of how we take history and we manipulate it. So Hirsch goes on to say, it is not difficult to imagine 
that if Western powers managed to vanquish Russia in the current conflict, history would probably settle on a short paragraph about the Nord Stream attacks, explaining it as the work of a handful of pro-Ukraine radicals. So there the story being rewritten. More likely still, he says, history might not even acknowledge that there was any pipeline at all. And the importance of that that statement is that Biden inadvertently may have started this war because of, or advertently started this war because his intention, according to what Hirsch says, was Jake Sullivan and a few other people within the inner circle of the Biden administration who wanted to make absolutely sure that Europe was on board should Russia invade Ukraine so that we would, as a collective force, help Ukraine fight back. But that's not going to survive history. What I just told you will not survive history because history goes to the victors. And in this case, the victors would be the European nations and NATO. So it's an interesting perspective, you know, wrapping it up. You think about St. Patrick. We know nothing about him. We don't know anything about him. He has been completely whitewashed. And that man's sole purpose for getting up in the morning was spreading Christianity in the 8th century. How hard would that have been? It's pretty interesting. And yet, what do we? it has ended up being nothing more than a celebration of lots of beer, lots of alcohol, and lots of hangovers. So, all right, uh, on to the program for the St. Patty's Day. New, new poll shows what voters think about Trump and the 2020 election. Uh, the Rasmussen poll, which was published yesterday, was both surprising and not so surprising. As most polls have shown consistently for years now, Donald Trump is still perceived as the most important leader of the Republican Party. 37% of all likely voters told Rasmussen that Trump was a better leader for the Republican Party. And 60% of Republicans also chose Trump uh, with a 77% favorability among GOP voters and a 52% favorability among all voters. In the Rasmussen poll, more men, 56% than women, 50, had a somewhat favorable opinion of Trump, along with 48% of unaffiliated voters. That's higher than I would have expected. And 51% of Democrats, 12% of Republicans, and 38% of Independents had a very unfavorable impression of Trump. The poll did not ask specifically about the 2024 presidential elections. So uh, it is... Kind of surprising, but, you know, look, we, I think I wrote this earlier, we are so tired of the way things are right now. We are just physically and emotionally exhausted, really, at the way things are right now with the economy, uh, watching this man up on stage doing what he does, the way he gaffs every single day. He says something completely ignorant every day. It's almost like the walls are you know, closing in on this guy, and yet he walks around with this air of naive optimism that's enough to make anybody sick. So this is where we're at, where our president today, I don't know, can we take another two years? Uh, Good articles to share with you. Also some updates on Ron DeSantis, what's going on with him, and 18 states that have joined 
in what I think is a very important thing. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. JR here. Don't forget our website, streaming now. Uh, and, of course, our partners at crntalk.com. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, you can catch Speaking Out America with yours truly. Uh, let's see here. I got a good story. Uh, you know, this one is really breaking. And it's amazing to me that the people behind the scenes at ABC and NBC and CBS and CNN and all those folks. It's amazing to me that they can just gleefully, completely ignore what is the biggest story, unless they're planning on doing something with it later, which I, I, it might be possible. I, I don't know. It's It would be a strange strategy for the Democrats to make Biden their sacrificial lamb, but anything's possible. I mean, after all, uh, this woman uh, was elected as a vice president. By anyone's limited ability to understand what's possible. Yeah, and I, in a minute here, I'll play a funny cut of a woman who did a <laughs> just a great impersonation of Kamala that had me in stitches. And I'll play that for you a little bit later. But the big story that the the the, the media is completely ignoring is the fact that the House Oversight Committee master, Representative James Comer, fine Republican from Kentucky, uh, is digging into the Biden family influence peddling from China. They, you know, if initially we'd heard something about it in the Hunter Biden laptop story, but the media and everybody else was quick to blow it all away. But there are a half dozen. Uh, Leaching, what is it? Half dozen Bidens leaching cheddar from the tens of millions of dollars sent to the family members with ties to Chinese communist members. Uh, at the end of this, this is what Comer said last night on Laura Ingram. I think we're going to see there are probably six or seven Biden family members who are involved in various business schemes around the world. Comer did not name names, but he recently mentioned that a new Biden had dipped his or her beak for the first time into a $3 million payment sent to Hunter Biden, uh, his, uh, his assistant, John Rob Walker. Walker received the payment from two people with ties to the CCP. He then distributed the cheddar, what they call the cheddar, which is the payment, to three members of the Biden family. Comer further stated that he has bank records in hand via subpoena and he has no idea what the $3 million coming from China were for. And he wasn't done spilling Biden's family secrets. He also told Ingram, this just shows how deep the Biden family was involved in this influence peddling scheme. It looks to me like these people who are closely aligned with the Chinese Communist Party sent $3 million to a shell corporation. Then they turned around and split it three ways with a third going to the Biden family, three different family members for no apparent reason. They didn't invest in the business. They just stuck in the money in their pockets. Joe Biden, the big guy, head of the Biden crime syndicate. 
Jim Consigliere Biden, Joe's brother, remains close to Joe. Though, you know, I think we were, we went somewhere. What was the cruise we went to? I think it was either St. Thomas or St. John. And our tour guide told us that Joe Biden's brother, Jim, actually has property over there in the Virgin Islands, a home where he can be safe, where nobody will find him. That's why I thought recently when Joe went there for Christmas, I think it was, like, what a strange place to go. It makes sense. Sarah Biden, the wife of Jim Biden, gets a little bit of money. Uh, There's a slush fund. Representative Comer's Oversight Committee, as you know, is probably a thorn right now in Biden's family. But think about the implications that we have a sitting U.S. president who could have very easily have been uh, uh, compromised by the number one or the number two global power, depending on how you look at it, in terms of size and sheer population, it would have to be China. But uh, they're still a struggling country because they're ruled by a tyrannical government where I would venture to say that probably 90% of their population is at or below poverty, according to our standards. And a lot of people get thrown into jail for, for merely suggesting that there might be a better alternative than the CCP. You cannot walk around with a Bible or any religious text without fear of being arrested in China. And then they can easily put you away. Uh, if you are a Chinese citizen and you are living in America or a Chinese student, their tendrils are very long. These people will follow you. They will hunt you down. They will follow your social media. And they will extort you to behave yourself in America and do what they say. Or a family member of yours could very well end up in prison. That to me is, uh, that's, that's who we're dealing with. And yet these guys may have, I mean, what are we talking about in the news? TikTok, TikTok. I think it's an interesting name that they came up with too. Like TikTok, America, your time is almost up. And you have all these children running around just putting their information in, which is actually their parents' information, because the kids don't actually own the phones. It belongs to their parents. So China is just getting a wash of all this wonderful data on American citizens for who knows what. They'll use it when they need to. And Biden doesn't try to stop this at all. Uh, He doesn't protest. We are now three years into this COVID, post-COVID world, and Biden seems to have no interest whatsoever in dealing with it or holding China accountable. He acts like he's best buddies with Xi Jinping. You know, Xi Jinping and and uh, and Putin are meeting next week, and they're going to come up with a peace plan. Isn't that amazing? Unfortunately, our president will not be sitting at that table. How weak do you think it looks to have Xi and Putin negotiating terms for the surrender of Ukraine? who are fighting a proxy war uh, on behalf of the United States and NATO countries. And that's under the brilliant leadership of this man, who for some unknown reason received $3 million in payments from a Chinese Communist Party corporation. That's enough to make your head spin. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let us remember that much of this stuff would have been known had the media done its job prior to the elections, and had big tech stayed out of it. Big tech was complicit at keeping from the American people 
the truth about the relationship that Hunter, Joe, Jim, Hallie, all the other members of the Biden family, they are uh, complicit in dealing with communist Chinese members who obviously have them under the thumb, which would explain the behavior of Joe Biden and why he is resistant to hold China accountable for any of its wrongdoings. That does make your head spin, doesn't it? Whew. And this guy's in office, running our country into the ground. Everywhere you look. Kids dying, fentanyl, doesn't seem to end. And the housing crunch is next. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. Welcome back. This is Speaking Out America. JR with you. This is Laureen McKinnon, an Irish singer. St. Patrick's Day. Get it? Something about that Gaelic vocal sound that I just love. I think there's Irish in me. My dad tells me that my grandfather was a was Irish of Irish descent, and that he, as a boxer in the 1910s and 20s in Chicago, was known as Jimmy the Irish. Should I believe him? I love this song. Anyway, it's a good. It's called Mummer's Dance. If you want to buy it and play it on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so anyway, welcome back. It is good to have you here. Don't forget, you can also write us, and our email address is easy, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. And we're actually, we have a couple of letters that we'll share with you a little bit later on in the broadcast. Uh, I want to play this for you, though. I know this will make you laugh. This is a woman on Instagram who is uh, making fun of Kamala Harris. And you just got to listen. It's a little long, but it's funny. Because when we, when we grasp what's really happening, right? Okay. <laughs> when we really <laughs> assess the situation at hand and see who is being burdened by who... <laughs> we can start to analyze <laughs> exactly where we're going oh, and why, because then it is then, right? It's then, okay, when we see where the burdens are coming from and because we all need to understand that this is not the end okay 
All right, enough. I just can't. She nailed it, man. I don't know who this woman was, but she nailed it. And it's so true. I mean, everybody's making fun of her appearance on uh, Stephen Colbert the other day. What do you do as vice president? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) What is your day like? Oh, you know, we. she's just word salad. The big fight is going to be between Newsom and her for the Democratic Party. This is why I tell you. I, I I am making this prediction, and I made it three months ago. You are going to start hearing Michelle Obama being shouted about. There is nobody else. There's nobody on the short bench. Newsom doesn't have the gravitas, and I suspect that he's too much of a puppet anyway, and I don't think he resonates with Democrats at all. He's more, he's more of what Joe and, and the progressives and what's making people sick to their stomach. Well, all this wokeism and, and transforming children into little gender fluid sex pots. <clears throat> I told you yesterday about Paris. Disney co-sponsoring a, not just a drag show, but a transgender prostitution event. So, but we expect that from Paris, right? But Disney being involved in it, that's what's strange. Uh, they won't do it here because they know that our press, some of our press will, will call them out on it, gaslight them, but they don't care about that in Paris. Speaking of Paris, Macron used executive order to up the date of retirement by two years. And now hundreds were arrested, rioters set fire to trash cans, they clashed with cops. This is what uh, a totalitarian leader looks like. Because uh, the mismanagement of of the government is not the people's fault in Paris. When you're told that you are going to get a certain amount of money at a certain point of your life and you have to work, it's it's an agreement. It's a contract between the government institution and the this country in which you live and you. Hundreds of people were arrested in Paris on Thursday evening as spontaneous protests and riots sprung up after President Emmanuel Macron's government invoked a constitutional loophole. This is similar to what Biden, I think, is trying to do with gun lobbying, uh, restricting guns and increasing background checks, universal background checks. And we talked about that with our good friend Mike Lett yesterday. But this is essentially what Emmanuel is doing. He's doing an end runaround. He's using a loophole to raise the retirement age without a vote in the National Assembly. 217 people were arrested in the French capital after the city erupted in rage after the National Assembly was bypassed by the globalist Macron government, which used Article 49.3 of the Constitution to pass its controversial plan to raise the permanent retirement age from 62 to 64 uh, by the year 2030 in order to keep the program from going under. That's how bad it is. I mean, what, what could change between now and then? Things could get worse. Uh, have you seen any good economic reports coming out of anywhere recently? Uh, I have not. And I uh, certainly have not heard anything coming out of France recently that would give me encouragement that things are getting better. I think people in the UK, Germany, France, Belgium, the Netherlands, Spain, these people are starting to wake up just like the American people are starting to wake up. 
and they're realizing that that their governments are failing them. The governments are misusing their money. Just just today, there's no failure now in the banking system. You know, the, the government has been playing with interest rates, keeping them artificially low to keep the economy stimulate. But they're not, they're not uh, helping people when you have flush currency, which is making the dollar cheap. So what do they do to curb inflation? They start raising the interest rates. And then on top of that, you have these banks that are awash with cash, or at least with credit, and they go out and they start spending it on all these ESG programs that are not productive and actually hurt businesses. And I did want to mention that, thank God for DeSantis, he has galvanized 18 states in fighting ESG, uh, the, the agenda, environmental, social, and corporate governance agenda. Now, I want to kind of take a minute to explain what that is. ESG is a way for people who have uh, investment power, hedge fund managers, large banks, large corporations, where they can apply pressure to businesses or leverage and say, we won't loan you money unless we know that you are following ESG standards. And ESG standards are as simple as hiring quotas. You have to have hiring quotas. You have to hire engineers to show how much carbon. It sounds strange. Hiring engineers to find out how much carbon you're producing. And then you need to get the approval of the bank or the lending institution if you want to get that seal of approval so that you can do business. So it doesn't sound like, oh, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because it's a waste of money. The free market usually does a pretty good job at determining who's going to succeed and who isn't. But if companies are blessed simply because they're following ESG rules, but they're not actually producing a profit, they're going to be artificially lifted into the marketplace, which means that you and I as customers are not going to be getting the quality of product and services that we expect. If you go to a large airline like Delta and you say you need to hire so many African-Americans, Native Americans, regardless of their quality or skill, and, and you go to them and say you have to hire... That's why you're ending up with pilots that aren't so good. That's why you're hearing about all these uh, faux pas at at airports. It's not good. And this is what ESG does. It's outcome-based equity. Not good for anybody. We'll be back. Would St. Patty's Day be without a little music from U2? They're like the Beatles of Ireland. I can't think of another band that was successful as U2. Can you? Uh, from Ireland? I'd have to, maybe Donovan from like the 60s, Donovan Leach, remember him? Anyway, so yeah, Ron DeSantis back. Welcome back, Speaking Out America. Don't forget our website, speakingoutamerica.com articles, links, updates on COVID information too, by the way, bears updates up on the menu bar of our speakingoutamerica.com. There's actually a drop down menu that has access 
uh, to data what's happening in real time with COVID and also vaccine effects and things of that nature. Also has a link to my other podcast, the Coronavirus Update. And uh, we are here for you Monday through Friday here on CRN Talk. Dot com from 5 to 6 p.m. So the Sanders is doing this, and it obviously makes him look like he's a leader. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, along with governors of 18 other states, are taking action against President Joe Biden's environmental, social, and corporate governance agenda. Those states include Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Mississippi, not all red states, by the way, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, West Virginia, and Wyoming. They are forming what they call an alliance, pushing back against Biden's radical ESG agenda. It is a leftist form of activism used to influence corporations and Wall Street to consider partisan political positions unrelated to their actual businesses or organizations in their decision-making or environmental or investment actions. Here's their joint statement. The proliferation of ESG throughout America is a direct threat to the American economy, individual economic freedom, and our way of life. Putting investment decisions in the hands of the woke mob to bypass the ballot box and inject political ideology into investment decisions, corporate governance, and the everyday economy. Quote, we as freedom-loving states can work together and leverage our state pension funds to force change in how major asset managers invest the money of hard-working Americans. It also states adding, ensuring corporations are focused on maximizing shareholder value rather than the proliferation of woke ideology. DeSantis followed it up with a statement, at my direction, Florida has led the way in combating the pernicious effects of the ESG regime by directing our state pension fund managers to reject ESG and instead focus on obtaining the return on investment for Florida's taxpayers and retirees. Now, you might recall that soon after Joe Biden got into office, uh, he sent his uh, his team uh, to New York and had them meet with various leaders of lending institutions and said to them, essentially, don't invest in fossil fuel companies. If you do, we're going to punish you. What we want you to do is only invest in renewable companies like solar companies, uh, anything that had to do with anything other than fossil fuels. And now what we have is a lot of money that is being allocated towards this desire to uh, create windmills, turbines, uh, not nuclear, which is strange because that's probably the most efficient and most productive form of energy to date. And, and what he did was he basically, uh, th- this is what ESG does. ESG tells the, the banks, the governments tell the banks, don't do this. The banks don't loan money or don't provide funding or in some cases will close accounts of companies that are invested in fossil fuels, cheap energy. That in turn has the effect of raising energy costs because it costs more to produce less. Now, in a normal economy, if you took any kind of economics class, the free market works exactly the opposite. You want to be able to produce more with less, not produce less 
at a higher rate. Does that make sense? So this is what our government wants to do. And it, it is extorting banks and it extort by, by virtue of doing that, they're extorting businesses who may want to invest in things even if the government doesn't like it. And that is fa fascism, by the way. For those who are paying real close attention, that's essentially what Adolf Hitler did in Germany. He made every company work for the government of Germany. What you're, and this is what Xi Jinping does now with Xi Thought. Everything in China has to do with supporting the CCP or the People's Party. And that's how they always frame it, the People's Party. Uh, so he continued, and this is important, because I think what, what this means is that some of these governors in some of these states, for example, Wyoming. See, Wyoming has a lot of coal, and they have a lot of natural energy that is just waiting to be dug up and carried off around the world. But in order to do that, they have to go through Washington State because that's where the ports are. But you know that Washington State is run by very woke leadership. So they have opted in to the ESG. So they're going to prevent Wyoming from going through their state to export their energy, their coal, whatever they're, they're digging up, and exporting it to the rest of the world. So they're ostensibly preventing, uh, 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 preventing Wyomians from enjoying the fruits of their natural resources. Just as the people of Alaska who receive funding, who who are have a share in the profits of the natural resources that Alaska produces, and they too are facing a stranglehold because of the policies of this woke government. Doesn't that seem wrong to you? Isn't that counterproductive to you? It seems like it's counterproductive to me. And this is why what Ron DeSantis is doing is very important because he's saving our hide, really. I mean, if you think about it, he is saving our hide. Uh, or at least he's trying to. So maybe if he continues on that route, then maybe he will be elected president. I, I think that he and Trump are a lot more alike than people probably want to admit. But I think that Trump's personality is such where you know, he, he's going to continue to push back no matter what anybody says. So, uh, and, and DeSantis, what we don't know about DeSantis is can he be compromised? That's really the issue. I like him. He gets a lot of negative uh, from the Democrats in our state, but everybody agrees that our state is, is doing a lot better than many other states. Certainly doing better than California. It's certainly doing better than New York. New York uh, is is hanging on by the skin of its teeth. People are exiting out of New York so badly. In California, people are leaving, and the governor wants to continue to tax you after you've left for a certain amount of years. And if you make money but you don't live in California, guess what? If your business is in California, you're going to be paying for that as well, even if you're not a resident of the state. So this is all an indi indication of the fact that they're losing money. And they're losing money because they're wasting money. They're wasting resources. California and New York, by sheer number alone, should be the most successful states in the union. But they're not because they have restrictive laws and they have too much bureaucracy. And there's too much socialism as well. There are too many people, too many citizens, residents of California 
and uh, and also New York, who are actually living off the government. And that is the problem. The people that are living off the government through SSI, pension plans, re- retirement, uh, they're the ones that are suffering. And what it all really means is under Joe Biden, what we're seeing here is a middle class that is shrinking, a uh, an upper class, which is not growing, but they're getting richer, and also a growing poverty class. That's what we see happening here in the United States. That's what's happening right now. We could actually be at the precipice of a great decline, spearheaded by the Joe Biden administration, et al. So in, in going back to my prediction about Kamala Harris, uh, uh, Michelle Obama, she's resistant to do it because she feels that she would have to probably do a lot more work than she wants to do. She wants to retire. But something tells me that with enough pushing and, and hedging, they could convince her, hey, look, if you, uh, if you become the president, we'll help you. You'll have a circle of administrators. You'll have a strong group of experienced people like Samantha Powers and uh, Victoria Newland. They'll be there for you. We can get the help of uh, Hillary if we need to. Not that we would. But, of course, then there's the Obama what I call the the Obama the Obama odor, you know, his odor is still very well received by the American people. He's about as close as you're going to come to a prophet with the Democrats as anybody else. So I could see that she could be convinced that it's for the good of the people that she would be doing the country. She would be a uniter in her mind. She would be a uniter. She could she could unite all of those different separate groups that we have now in the United States. The, the gay and lesbian community, the oppressed trans community, the Asian community, and all these other subgroups that the Democrats have created over the past, you know, 25 years. She could continue to spearhead. She could actually be convinced, you know, you got to run, hun, because if you don't and the, the Republicans get back in, in office, my God, there goes the planet. I mean, you're going to really get her juices riled up if you tell her that. So don't be surprised if the Democrats start throwing out Michelle Obama's name more and more. Mark my words. Have a great weekend. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. See you back here Monday. Don't forget, speakingoutamerica.com.